Well, thank you for uh, listening to my podcast assignment. Um, for my assignment, I'm going to talk about Shay Gilgis Alexander of the Oklahoma City Funder and whether or not he deserved to make the All-Star game. And my co-host will be a uh, diehard, dedicated Funder fan, uh, Hunter. <laughs> uh, Hunter, how are you doing, man? Doing fine. This isn't our first time, by the way. <laughs> but uh so the nba all-star reserves were named tonight and oh, sga was left off the list of all-star reserves and i just wanted to get your your thoughts on that do you think sga should have made the all-star uh roster and if so who do you think he should have made it over why or why not well I mean, coming from, like, a Thunder fan here, I feel like he probably did deserve a spot. But in that case, like, seeing all the people who made it for the reserves being released today, I wouldn't say he was necessarily snubbed. It's just more of, like, the format kind of being a little old school at this point, a little out of, out of date at, at, this, at this rate at least. Uh, SJ had really great stats this year, his career highs in almost every statistical category. But you really can't make an argument to, like, overshadow people like uh, – Paul George, Rudy Gobert, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, or Zion. Uh, I mean, records could come into play there, but like, still, like statistical categories, so especially in the points per game margin, give Zion an advantage over SGA. But, uh, I mean, you can also make uh, arguments for other players, too, that got snubbed. But I think you just got to – you have to look at the core foundation of how the All-Star game is like uh, – is like compromise com- – sorry, I can't even think of the word here uh, – made up of here. Uh, it seems like there's not enough roster spots for like the total the the total amount of players who deserve a spot in the game. Like uh, if you think about it, you got like Chris Paul in, in the game, and he has almost the same stats as Mike Conley, who has who is uh, leading the team, the number one seeded team in the West, Utah Jazz, and they almost have every single stat like equal except for the assist category and win shares too. Uh, I think we just gotta like we got to look at this and like see if we get to make changes, especially how like the fans in the voting process, 50% of the power to like make a decision. And the coaches and players have like a 20, 25, 25 uh, margin. I think we got to get some like uh, at this rate, we need to get like media votes too. maybe make it like four different, uh, four different sections, like 25% fans, 25% media, 25% coaches and 25% uh, players too. And see how, like, usually that, that I think that'd be, like, a good even sum and not let, let have the fans have all the power. Because at this rate, it's starting to become more of a, a popularity contest, too. Because we're seeing players like uh, uh, Alex Caruso for the Lakers get a bunch of fan votes in a large market. And you're seeing – and Clay Thompson as well getting a lot of fan votes as well from the Golden State market in uh, San Francisco. And you're seeing players that deserve the spots like C.J. McCollum or – Shea Gilgis Gilgis Alexander not get their uh, due with the fan votes. And uh, we can also talk about Anthony Davis here too because he has been injured for a good amount of the season. I think he's missed like 10 games. He's putting up decent numbers, but they're almost similar in points as well as SGA, but more rebounds because he's center. And uh, he made a a spot, but it's going to look more like he'll probably be injured for the All-Star game. So his spot might be up and up for the grabs for – Adam Silver to pick himself, which will probably be Devin Booker. 
And I just think it's going to have to be more of a foundational kind of thing, kind of have to reform it and see how uh, we can get more players involved in the All-Star game so that the people who do deserve it can actually get in. Yeah, I agree with you there, Hunter. Um, I don't think SGA was snub. I just think he plays in a stacked Western Conference where there's, like, so many, like, guards who deserve or who can make a legit case for making the All-Star game. But with that said, that shouldn't take away with, like, how great of a season SGA has had so far. He's, I mean, he's, like you said, he's averaging career highs. And not only is he averaging career highs, he's also doing it very efficiently. And as a guard, that's, that's a great plus because most, most of the time guards are, like, low-efficient type of scores because they're taking difficult shots. They're driving to the rim against, like, bigger, taller defenders. So you would expect guards to, like, shoot in, like, the low 40s. But, like, SGA, I think he's shooting uh, – 50% from the field, which is great. He's shooting 40% from free as well. So uh, SGA is having a great season. He's having a great uh, third year as a guard, and he's having like a great first season where like he's the number one guy of a team for the first time in his NBA career. But I definitely agree with you there where, where I think the all-star voting is a, is a bit flawed because I feel like the roster should be expanded. It's only 12 players now. But we have to remember at the time when they made this, there's like a lot less teams in the league. So I feel like, if anything, the roster should be expanded to like the usual 15 we see with typical NBA team rosters. And I really think they should get, do away with like uh, position voting, especially now when basketball is becoming more and more of a positionless game where what, what, what position you play really doesn't matter as much as it used to. So that's basically my biggest takeaway from SGA and I'm making the all-star game is that he wasn't really snubbed, but the all-star format in itself is pretty flawed. Yeah, exactly. And you're going to hear a lot of like, I think in coming days, you'll also hear the media talk about that as well, because it's starting to like, you know, pick up more steam as we go. We've already seen fundamental changes within the all-star format, like, uh, team captains instead of uh, East and West, like we usually had. I just think now uh, we just got to like, you know, think about like eliminating East and West, like selections all together and just sort of combine it. Because like you said, it's a growing league. We're getting more talented players by the minute. And one side usually has more talented players than the other does. And if you're saying like Nikola Vucevic, who's a, a great player, uh, if you listen to our actual podcast, Breakdown Breakdown, <laughs> you'll hear Clemente, talk about how he has a love for Nikola Vucevic. And, I mean, uh, I love him too. He's a great player and all. But uh, it's sort of like the, the argument that, like, one player has to, like, sort of uh, will his way for the team to win. And the Magic are one of, like, the bottom seeds in the East. And it's just an example right here of, like, uh, great stats on a really bad team. But that's mostly how Vucevic's career has been. And I, I, there's just a lot of deserving players on the other side. Like, we're talking about Mike Conley or SGA, or Devin Booker, DeMar DeRozan even. Uh, you just have, and even uh, if we're talking on the east side, there's also some snubs with like Chris Middleton. And it's just sort of like a, I don't, it's just like a fundamental, like sort of like bias. And, you're, and uh, Chris Middleton has been constantly making the All-Star team in years past because the Bucks have been a top seed. But this year, uh, the Bucks have been sort of lacking on the winning uh, as they have in years past. And he's just sort of been sort of casted out in that role. And even we've seen Trey Young also get snubbed this year as well. And I think we just sort of have to, like, you know, we sort of have to, like, just 
work with the, the voting system again and then just work from the ground up on work on uh, fixing the foundation of the all-star game. Do you think SGA playing in a small market like OKC played a role into him, like not making the all-star game? A hundred percent. There's like that. This is just a completely valid argument. You can say the same for players like uh, DeMar DeRozan as well. I mean, they both are having like statistically great years and uh, the Spurs are even in the uh, the top eight in the West, so they're they're, they're playoff contenders. And uh, we're seeing, I mean, New Orleans isn't a big market whatsoever, but if you have like a, a star who uh, it elevates that market, sort of like what we're seeing with Lamelo Ball and Charlotte. Charlotte was never a huge like uh, a huge market area until Lamelo got there, and we're starting to see more media coverage from. Uh, places like Bleach Report or Sports Center, and that's what you see with Zion when he first came in. They people were calling him the next LeBron, the chosen one too, the second coming basically. And uh, that's that's what helped prop Zion into this uh, status of his first All Star appearance here. And that's why we see Anthony Davis here, even though he hasn't had his greatest season, he's been injured most of it. This is the main reason why we see him on this uh, roster here. And SGA has been having probably one of the best uh, best uh, season so far out of most of the Western guards. And uh, the fact that Oklahoma City isn't really a big eye, eye, you know, eye popper here is one of the fundamental reasons why he did not make the All-Star game. Yeah. Or get as many votes from the fans as well. I think that as well. I mean, OKC has played zero nationally televised games this season so far. So, like, the fans of the other 29 teams probably never see the Thunder play unless it's against their team. So I definitely agree with you there. And like you said, um, the players sometimes make the market as well, right? Like you're seeing the Pelicans and the Hornets play more on like ESPN and TNT this season than they have ever before. And that's because they have like guys like Zion and Lamelo who are like super easy to market with the fans. And yeah, and that also has me thinking that maybe SGA's style of play is also a reason as to why he wasn't voted by the fans or by anybody in general is because, you know, SGA, he's not super flashy. flashy. He, uh, he's more of like a traditional fundamental type of player who really doesn't like do any highlight plays. He just goes out there and uh, plays basketball every professionally. You think his style of play also factored into uh, him not making a team hunter? Yeah, I'd have to agree as well, 100%. Like you said, he's a fundamental guard. He's like the little fundamental compared to Tim Duncan, the big fundamental here. Uh, he just has that uh, – he's sort of like the uh, the guard version of Kyle Anderson, just a slow scoop and score, very tactical. I mean, if he were a wrestler, he'd be Daniel Bryan, basically. Wrestling <laughs> cameo right there. Uh, but, yeah, uh, he's not like – he does a couple of flashy plays when he gets to the rim. Like a lot of those circus shots that he makes sometimes, not all the time. And he's starting to develop a step back three which garners a lot of eyes. We've seen it with James Harden, you know. And, uh, I mean, it's probably not, like, really, uh, you know, star-studying right now, but eventually he'll develop his game, and he'll, he's going to look like a star eventually because he has, like, the, he has the tools ready for it. He's got really good control when he uh, drives to the rim, and he's got that step-back three rate locked and loaded and ready to use at any time. I just think he's uh, – it's just his uh, third year in the league, and this was – his first year he has serious all-star contention. And next year, he shouldn't have no problem whatsoever because it's just slowly developing as we, uh, as the season goes by and as seasons go by, too. He's, he's had, like, a, 
he hasn't been scoring at will like most stars usually do. Like we, if you compare Devin Booker's stats and SGA stats, Devin Booker's shooting uh, like three times more than uh, – well, not three times more. He's attempting three more baskets than SGA is, which shows SGA is like – he's the guy right now, the point guard, the facilitator, so he's going to be dishing out a lot more. Not to mention that he's missed a few games. And for SGA and a small market, a guy like that, you really can't afford to miss any games whatsoever. So it's just uh, – it's sort of just situational. And he probably just needs one more year, and then he'll finally get his repertoire. He'll, I mean, he's already amazing this year, but it's just going to keep getting better. And next year for sure, I definitely have no doubt that he has uh, got a lot of uh, momentum to become that reserve. So let's talk about SGA's overall season so far. Um, how do you think he has performed so far this season, considering we're almost at the halfway point of the season? Has he exceeded your expectations? Has he met your expectations? What do you think of his performance overall compared to like what you're expecting before the season began? Uh, well, before the season began, of course, we saw Chris Paul get shipped off to Phoenix. So, uh, we all had an idea that we were going to be in rebuild the tank mode and SGA was going to have to take over the reins. So I, I sort of had like an idea that he was going to at least score at, at least uh, average 20 points and hopefully around eight assists. And he's uh, at least meeting my expectations, I feel like. I mean, uh, he's matched his career high. Uh, he's exceeded his career high. And he's been scoring at, at least 20 since uh, at least uh, January 15th, I think. So he's just been really consistent in the scoring margin. He's starting to exceed my expectations. He's been extremely efficient, too. He's shooting like a 50-40-78, which is uh, astounding for a third-year player, i got to say. And uh, his assist-making has been really well, too. I think he's eclipsed uh, 10 assists only once so far. But, you know, it's gonna, he's missed a couple of games. It's going to pick up, too. He's uh, a pass-first kind of guy. He's not the kind of guy that's going to be a real volume shooter. It's more of a Steve Nash type rather than a Kobe Bryant. So, uh, I mean, he's been really great, and he's just going to continue to elevate his game. Recently, he's been putting up statistical nightmares for opponents and been get, giving uh, other teams hell, basically. So he's just going to continue that production, and his uh, season is just going to keep getting better. And I think uh, he's slightly overachieving, in my opinion, compared to my thoughts in the offseason. And uh, I hope he continues to just elevate my expectations because he's well on his way to elevating everybody's expectations around the league. Yeah, I think the things, the two things that has impressed me the most and surprised me the most about SGA season so far is his efficiency to scoring the ball and his passing overall. I mean, I think heading into the season, a lot of people were questioning, like, is SGA a one or a two? And, um, yeah. So and this season he was able to uh, <clears throat> he's been able to uh, pass the ball better, be a great pick and roll um, handler, and he's take and we've seen uh, him really take advantage of the fact that he has like a stretch big and Al Horford, you know, setting up pick and pops and just and just getting yeah. open looks to his uh, teammates. So SGA has really made it a point to like show the, the rest of the team that you know I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a true point guard. I, I'm not a shooting guard. And he's really uh, been – it's been surprising seeing how, like, how great of a passer he, he's been considering, like, passing was, like, a big question mark heading into this season. And his efficiency, efficiency, too, has been a big surprise. I mean, like I mentioned earlier in the pod, like, usually whenever a guard's volume increases, the efficiency decreases due to it. 
but like it's it's been like the complete opposite like this this rarely happens for a guard and sga is just and it's not just the fact that sga is taking all layups either he's also like shooting pretty efficiently from outside and the mid-range it's like all three facets of the of the game where he's like performing well so those have been like the two biggest surprises for me this season and I think SGA has exceeded my expectations and anybody else's expectations heading into the season, unless you're like a big fan of his. <laughs> <laughs> Very close to it. Oh, like you said, I, I, I totally agree on the uh, three-point percentage too. Like you said, it's really rare you see people who elevate their shooting, uh, their volume there on the shooting side of the three-point percentage there. And uh, he's done that. Like he's, it's a career high in three-point attempts with 4.7. And he's making at least 1.9 of those. So he's shooting a cool 40% or at least 41%, I think. And that's really crazy to see. And uh, I hope we keep seeing that too, because uh, it seems like every time he has the rock, he always makes it from the three. And there are really difficult threes too, some of them, like step back threes and off the screen curls. It's just really crazy to see. And it's just, uh, I I'm continue to wonder what his season would look like if he had like a hard screen center like uh, Steven Adams, like how he would be shooting, like uh, if he'd be shooting more efficiently or if he'd be attempting more threes. But like you said, uh, a stretch five and now Horford, he's just really benefiting off that with his assist totals as well. This is a career season and uh, assist averages. So, uh, I mean, we see that with Mike Muscala too. He just he has a great feel for the game, and he always finds his teammates, uh, whether it's down low or around the perimeter. And uh, he's just going to continue to prove upon that, and it's exceeded almost all of our expectations. Do you think when you watch OKC play and you watch SGA, SGA play, do you think he makes scoring look so easy? <laughs> because sometimes <laughs> when you're watching a game and then you watch and then you look at the box score after the game, you're like, oh, crap, he scored this many points. It didn't even feel like it. Like, is he going to be one of those type of scores where he's scoring like 20, 25 points a game and you really don't notice it until after the game? 100%. He, he's already become that, basically. Like, these, uh, this last few months, he's been putting up uh, no less than 21 points per game. And uh, he's just beginning to the rack so seamlessly, too. I mean, he, makes, he has perfect uh, upper body control, and he can just get to the rim so easily, and he lays it in so easily, too. He even makes uh, those wild circus shots that no one knows how he makes. And those continued and ones, like, he just has, like, a great uh, – he has great ball control, too, and he has, like, a great, like, muscle memory, too, into, like uh, – make those difficult and ones and circus shots. And it's just really crazy to see, uh, you know, like you, you in during the game, you don't think he shoots as much as he does. And eventually, like you said, you go back to the box score and you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe like he almost put up like 31 points there. And it, I wouldn't have guessed that in a million years. I usually see him uh, dishing and dashing to other players around the perimeter or uh, finding people down low, like a uh, homie Diallo or a Baisley. But uh, it just ends up being SGA, just, you know, seamlessly getting to the rack and efficiently making a bunch of baskets and getting to the line as well. He's been really great at getting to the line this year compared to past years. I, I, it's just been a – I like to see the refs giving him more of a, you know, uh, more more calls uh, than he usually did last year. I mean, I wish his uh, free throw percentage was a little bit better, but uh, you, you can't pick and choose here. He'll eventually get better at that, uh, just a small sample size so far, so – I mean, hopefully he uh, he can continue to build that into his repertoire, becoming at least hopefully like an 85% free throw shooter. But it's just uh, 
SGA is like that a uh, 2K character you make in the build a build a player. I mean, he just like uh, he puts up those 2K stats where he just like at least 10 to 15 field goal percentage, and uh, he gets to the rack easily and gets to the free throw line pretty easily as well. As yeah, that's a good point you mentioned by him like going to the rim and getting more calls because if he starts getting those calls more consistently, that's gonna like unlock a whole different level of his game because you. You see with, like, the best scorers in the league, like with James Harden, Trey Young, Russell Westbrook at one point, Kevin Durant. Like, you see these guys make it a skill to, like, drive to the basket and get free throws. And, like, if you can start doing that more often, it's basically free points and it just, like, unlocks another layer of his scoring game. 100%. And I think that we can uh, give a lot of credit to Chris Paul there because I know – He's been helping uh, – when he was with the Thunder, he was really mentoring SJ the entire time. And uh, he really elevated, like, uh, his free throw attempts in the second year whenever he hit Chris Paul from 2.4 free throws attempted to 5.1. And that's only grown to 6.6. So, obviously, Chris Paul had a – it was a factor in getting SGA to have more confidence to go to the, go to the rim a lot more often and draw those fouls. And uh, that's just going to continue to grow. And like you said, if he adds that to his repertoire – then it's basically all three categories in the scoring position that he has down, and he's only going to get better from there. And He can solidify himself as a potential superstar in the league. Is there anything that you want to see SGA improve on that you've seen had, has been like sort of a weakness for him this season? Defense, 100%. Uh, all guards aren't going to be necessarily like the lockdown defenders you see with like Tony Allen or even like a prime Chris Paul. But uh, – <laughs> Or, oh, oh, my God, Lou Dort. How can I forget Lou Beast Dort right there? Yeah, you're not going to become a, a, basically a Lou Dort, but you can sort of, like, you know, uh, learn the fundamentals. I mean, SGA has been – he's been doing pretty decently on the defensive side, but he can be a lot better, and I know he can. Uh, he's averaging a – well, oh, a second career. I mean, uh, his 30, second year was his career high in .7 blocks per game. He's got .6. That's mostly because of his length, I'm pretty sure. But – uh I mean, he can do a lot better on that side. He can do a lot better in the steals as well, averaging only 0.8 compared to 1.2, his career high in L.A. this first season. So uh, I think he can do a lot better on the defensive side, work on his footing, work on his placement, and quit getting beat off the dribble as much as he usually does. And uh, I mean, I think he can definitely improve there. Uh, also, I feel like his passing has been great, but there's a couple times where it's been a little sloppy, especially those cross-court passes. So I, I think he can improve there as well. But uh, mostly his scoring game has been absolutely perfect. Uh, his rebounding has been really good this year, too. So I think if he just really improves upon his defense, his free throw shooting as well, and, a li- and just a little bit more on that passing, then he'll be a, a perfect player in this league. Yeah, I think my biggest gripe with SGA, and this is like a small gripe, is uh, how like uh, conservative, conservative he can get with like his, uh, how aggressive he is with his uh, scoring. Because you feel like SGA could easily get more points than he gets night-to-night basis. And you feel like if he was more aggressive, he could put up bigger numbers. But, yeah, that's, like, my biggest gripe with SGA. But I feel like that's only my gripe now because he's the number one option. Maybe in the future when there's, like, he has star teammates coming to OKC, it'll be a, a benefit since you won't have, like, that, those chemistry issues. And SGA is, seems like one of those guys who's easy to, like, fit around, you know? 100%. I agree with you there. And you could also sit like uh, Thunder drafted a, a point guard in the second round 
who I am an extremely big fan of, Frick Town Breakdown again, if you're listening, uh, Teo Maladon has already solidified himself as a great starting point guard uh, just in his rookie year. And I think if he uh, builds his game, he could become that basically that uh, the uh, prime, uh, not prime creator, but like another great creator they have on their team that could, uh, you know, uh, get SGA off of the uh, conservatism, like he said, his passiveness and just uh, sort of give that role more to Teo Maladon as well as sort of half and half that. We could see a lot more uh, shots per game from SGA as soon as he develops into like his peak form. So I think as, as the, like you said, as the team grows, we get more people, we'll eventually see his, uh, his conservatism to go down and more willing to shoot. Right. Well, Hunter, did you have a, uh, any final thoughts? Uh, well, my final thoughts is it was great to do this with you, Clemente. Professor, if you're listening to this, uh, Bricktown <laughs> Breakdown, listen to it. Uh, and yeah, SGA, great year, great st- statistical season. Uh, not the greatest winning season for OKC, probably like uh, one of their one of their worst so far, but it's not bad. Just a tanking season. We'll get better from here on out. As if we add more players and SGA, we'll get a lot more free time to just continue to elevate those uh, points per game. And he'll his shooting, if it stays perfect, then perfect there too, because he's well on his way to becoming a superstar in this league. All right. Well, thank you for your time, Hunter. Um, thank you for listening, everybody, or anybody, or just you, Professor. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thanks again, and have a good day. <laughs>